Well, good morning and welcome to each one of you. And indeed, we are glad that you are able to join us, those of you who are here in person and those of you worshiping online with us. If you have your Bible, would you turn to Genesis chapter 27? As we continue on in our series of Jacob versus Esau, this is part four in that series. And we will start from verse 41, Genesis chapter 27, starting from verse 41. And if you are able to, would you please stand as we read the word of God. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But Rebekah heard about Esau's plans, so she sent for Jacob and told him, Listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. When he calms down and forgets what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. So Isaac called for Jacob, blessed him, and said, You must not marry any of these Canaanite women. Instead, go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your grandfather Bethuel, and marry one of your uncle Laban's daughters. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children, and may your descendants multiply and become many nations. May God pass on to you and your descendants the blessing he promised to Abraham. May you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Badan Aran to stay with his uncle Laban, his mother's brother, the son of Bethuel the Aramean. Esau knew that his father Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him to Badan Aran to find a wife, and that he had warned Jacob, you must not marry a Canaanite woman. He also knew that Jacob had obeyed his parents and gone to Badan Aran. It was now very clear to Esau that his father did not like the local Canaanite women. So Esau visited his uncle Ishmael's family and married one of Ishmael's daughters, in addition to the wives he already had. His new wife's name was Mahalath. She was the daughter of Nebat, the, da the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you for your holy word and for this time that we can be in your house. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and speak and have his way. And we pray that indeed you would help us to be obedient to the leading of your spirit and to respond. So we thank you for this time and we commit it into your hands. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. There were many reasons why Esau disliked his brother Jacob. For one, Jacob was their mother Rebekah's favorite. She favored him and it was clear throughout their life that she loved him more than she loved Esau. 
On the other hand, that wasn't the only thing that he had to be upset about. You see, earlier on, we saw how Esau was conned by Jacob into giving over his birthright to him. And if that wasn't enough, in our last message, we saw how Jacob then deceived their father Isaac into getting the blessing that actually belonged to Esau. There were many reasons why they disliked each other. In fact, it came to the point where enough was enough. And the Bible actually tells us that Esau hated his brother Jacob. He hated him. And, and if we think about it, I mean, he did have clear reason and good reason to hate him. But he not only just disliked him, he hated him. He was angry at everything that he had done. And not only was he upset, but he allowed that anger and that hate to fester and grow. He allowed it to continue to take over his thoughts and all that he had planned to do. And he allowed it to grow and grow and just get bigger to the point where he plotted to kill his brother after their father's death. You see, Esau continued to allow these evil thoughts to grow. And it's important for us not to allow evil thoughts and temptations to linger in our mind. We need to get rid of them because they will soon turn to actions if we don't. Don't allow evil thoughts to continue to linger in your mind. Don't allow them to go on and on the way that Esau did. Because you see, it all starts with a thought. Everything that we do starts in our mind. It starts in our thought. Our brain, our minds are the command center of our body. It is the start of where everything happens. And if we aren't careful with the things that we allow to linger and stay in our mind, they do soon turn to action. You see, understand that there is a difference in thinking about something and then actually doing it. So there's a big difference there. But the problem is that if we continue to allow something to be in our minds and we continuously think about it, think on it, allow it to grow, maybe consider it, it soon has the possibility and very likely to turn into action, which then leads to sin. You see how that works? It starts with a thought. The longer we allow thoughts to stay in our mind, especially evil thoughts and temptations to linger, the more likely we are to give in to those thoughts. For example, I see a handsome man who isn't my husband, and I continue to look and think, wow, he's really handsome. Well, it starts with a thought. And that thought continues to grow, and I continue to think about him and think about him, which then leads to me talking to him. And talking to him then leads to me flirting with him. Flirting with him then can lead to having inappropriate conversations or text message, which any person, but especially married people, shouldn't be doing. Then those inappropriate text messages leads to us sneaking around and going out. That sneaking around then leads to having an affair. That affair then leads to adultery and ruining a marriage. You see, it all starts with a thought. 
And if we aren't careful, then our thoughts begin to control us instead of us controlling our thoughts. God tells us that it is so important that we guard not only our hearts, but our minds as well. What are you thinking about? What are the things that you constantly think about and you allow to go on in your mind? Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, if we're so busy thinking about good, godly, pure, honest things, then our mind has no space to wonder about evil and things that are not of God. The more that we fill ourselves with the things of God, the more we are focused on God and the things that are pleasing in his sight. The things that we allow ourselves to do fill our thoughts, and that's why it's important that we guard our hearts and our minds with the kind of music that we listen to, with the kind of TV shows and movies that we watch, with the kind of people that we have constantly speaking into our lives and our ears, that we allow ourselves to focus on the Word of God and listen to the voice of God to influence us and fill our mind. Be careful of the kind of things that you constantly allow to go on in your mind and the things that you think about. If you're constantly thinking about things like stealing and cheating, affairs and sexual temptations and revenge and anger, those are the things that we often will give into because we allow them to grow and think about them. Be careful with your thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What he's saying there, what Paul is saying, is that we, we look and we sift through all the things that come at us, the things that come, uh, that tell us is right but is not right, and we test it against the word of God. And those are the things that we get rid of, we tear apart, we throw away, we don't allow to come at us, and we focus on the things that are of God. And everything that comes at us that's not from God, we take captive. That means that we take control of and we change to make it obedient to Christ. You see, you have control over your thoughts. You have control over the things that you think about, the things that you allow to go on in your mind, the things that stay and linger. And we need to take control over those things. If you're sitting down and watching television and just having a relaxing evening, and you look on the table and there's a bag of chips or a bowl of vegetables, right? You look and they're, they're your favorite kind of chips, you know? And you look at that and, and, and you say to yourself, oh, I really want those chips. But I know that they're unhealthy for me. But then we start to think about, you know, but I don't have it often and it's okay, right? And then your mind tells you, you know, but you should really eat those vegetables, those yummy raw carrots, 
you know, so appetizing as you watch your favorite television show. And you know that that's better for you, but you know that it doesn't taste so good, right? You see, we have to change our way of thinking because we automatically tend to go for things that aren't so good for us, right? The things that are more comforting and pleasing to our palate and to our body. And so, you know, we might tend to go for the chips, but we, most people, I mean, there's some of you who are strange and we have to pray for you if you go for the carrots, but you know, there's some people who will just go for the carrots because they're well-disciplined, right? Most of us probably are not. And we have to train ourselves to tell ourselves, okay, I have to go for the healthier option instead of the unhealthy option. You see, it's the same thing with our thoughts. The things that we are most likely to think about are things that come because we're focused on the things of this world sometimes. Unhealthy thoughts, evil thoughts, temptations that we are more likely inclined to think about because they just come so easy. But we need to change our way of thinking and have self-control to say, that's not good for me, that's not appropriate, that's not pleasing to God, and take them captive, get rid of them, and decide that we are going to do and focus on things that are pleasing to God. The healthier option for us spiritually we must take our thoughts captive. That means to take control and to change them so that we master our thoughts and they don't master us. So Esau continued to allow these evil thoughts to linger in his mind. You see, when we allow thoughts like that to linger in our mind, God expects that our thinking as Christians should be different. You see, when we are in Christ and we are a child of Christ, the Bible tells us that we are a new creation, that the old has gone and the new has come. But if we are constantly still thinking in the old way, it means that we have not fully taken off the old self and put on the new self that we're still holding on to that old piece of clothing that we should have gotten rid of a long time ago. We need to put on the new self that God wants us to put on and change our way of thinking. Amen? Amen. So Rebecca learned of Esau's plans to kill his brother, so she warned Jacob. And in fact, she helped him to prepare to flee to her brother Laban's house. By Jacob leaving this way, he was running away from the problems that he created. Instead of facing the issues and trying to resolve them and make peace with his brother, he decided that he was going to take his mother's advice and run away from them. Running away from your problems won't help. Learn to deal with them and try to resolve them if possible. You see, what he was doing was running away from the issues that he was facing, running away from the problems. In fact, he was the one who created the problems in the first place. And now he decides he's going to run away from them. I find verse 45 interesting when Rebecca says, that when he, that is Jacob, calms down and forgets what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. 
You see, she was expecting that Esau would somehow forget what Jacob did. That he would just forget about it. You see, I could understand if he stole his favorite shirt, right? That he would calm down and probably forget about it. But he stole his birthright. He stole his blessing. He wronged him and he robbed him. And she thought he would just forget. You see, she was not dealing with the issue, but rather trying to run away from it herself. Have you ever experienced something like that? Where someone has taken or borrowed something from you or you lent them something and you never got it back and that person just seemed to disappear. Or they go out of their way to avoid you. You ever experienced that? Well, maybe you lent one of your neighbors a tool, right? And up to this day, you never saw that tool back, and, and you never seem to see your neighbor either, right? They go, they go out of their way to avoid you. Or maybe, you know, someone promised that they were going to replace your lawnmower or snowblower because they, they broke it, right? They accidentally broke it, and they promised that they were going to replace it, and up to now, it's still broken, sitting there. Or, or maybe you had someone who borrowed some money from you, Right? And they promise, I'm going to pay you back, and I'm going to pay you back with interest. And you're still waiting. <laughs> and you're still waiting. And, and when you see them, they seem to go the opposite way, right? Or, or, they, or they conveniently never answer your phone calls or have your, their phone off when you try to reach them. You see, there are times where we seem to make things harder for ourselves because instead of dealing with the issue at hand and facing and admitting what we have done, we run away from the problem. We run away from the problem and we try to avoid it at all costs. Instead of admitting we're wrong, we don't because we're too proud. Instead of saying we're sorry and taking responsibility, we hope they'll somehow forget. Instead of trying to make things right and resolve the issue, we run away and don't deal with it. You see, running away from your problems won't make them go away. <laughs> Did you know that? They won't. They'll still be there when you get back, and, and, and most likely... They will follow you wherever you go. And it's important if we can try to resolve them and make them right that we do. Running away from things like unpaid bills, they will still be there. <laughs> Running away from responsibilities as a mother or a father. Running away from failing or dropping out of school and never going back. Things like credit card or, or, or loan debt parking tickets or offenses, running away from a marriage or a relationship that didn't work out, or a friendship. Running away doesn't fix the problems. It doesn't fix the issues. And it's important that we try our best, that if something just doesn't work out, that we deal with it and move on so that we can be at peace, so that the other person can be released or the situation, we don't have to worry about following us around. There are people who run away and never seem to deal with certain things. And sometimes those things come back to bite you in the future. If your marriage didn't work out, then I understand. 
but running away from it doesn't change the fact that you're still legally married. Running away from bills and credit card debt doesn't change the fact that it's still there and it will ruin your credit in the future. Running away from parking tickets or offenses will only cause them to grow in fines and cause you to have a criminal record and have things against you in the future. They will often come back to hurt you and cause more problems in the future wherever you go. Instead of Jacob trying to resolve the issue and make it right with his brother, he decided that he was just going to run away from it, hoping that he was going to forget. So Jacob was ready to leave, but Rebecca needed to come up with some way to, to tell Isaac um, that he was going to leave or that he needed to leave. So she couldn't just send him away. He needed Isaac's blessing and everything to go. So she needed to come up with some sort of reason of why Jacob should go. So she told Isaac, okay, and focus on this. She told Isaac, I'm sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. Now, this may have been true, that she may not have liked and wanted her son to marry one of these women, but that was not the reason that she wanted him to leave. Are you focused? Are you, are you with me? That was not the reason that she wanted him to leave. So, Isaac now, she said this, Isaac, her husband, calls Jacob in, he blesses him, and he tells him, you're not to marry any of the Canaanite women, you're to go to your uncle's house and marry one of his. So it almost was like Rebecca manipulated her husband into thinking it was his idea to send Jacob away, okay? So, so he's the one who actually sent Jacob away. What Rebecca was doing was making excuses to cover her bad behavior. She was making excuses to cover up for her bad behavior and the wrong that she was doing. Don't make excuses for your bad behavior or to cover up your sin. Don't make excuses. Too many times we make excuses for the things that we do to cover up for the bad behavior that we've done or the sins that we've committed. Don't make excuses. In other words, don't try to justify or rationalize what you've done because it's still wrong. People make up excuses all the time. Well, I did this because he did that. Or I said this because she said this to me. People make up so many excuses to try to justify and rationalize their bad behavior or things that have happened in their life. Well, my parents didn't give me a lot growing up, so I wasn't able to make anything of my life or to have a successful job. I punched him because he provoked me. Well, I drink because it helps me to cope. Or I smoke because it helps to calm me down. You see, we cannot try to justify bad behavior and sin. Because at the end of the day, bad behavior is still bad behavior. And sin is still sin. No matter how we try to rationalize or justify or excuse it. It is still the same. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. 
Stop trying to make excuses. It's it's time that you start recognizing the things that are wrong, the bad behavior, the sins that are in your life, and get rid of them, deal with them, stop doing them, and stop trying to excuse why you need to do them or why you have been doing them. Stop making excuses. This was exactly what Rebecca was doing. She was trying to excuse her behavior and make it seem as if there was nothing wrong. But she was, if you think about it, the mastermind behind a lot of this. Behind the problems that this family faced. Because she would constantly be listening and scheming and planning and going behind people's back. And that's another lesson. When when we don't have things to do, the devil finds us things to do. And he certainly did find things for Rebecca to do. In the end, Isaac ended up telling Jacob not to marry a Canaanite woman. But instead to go and marry one of his uncle Laban's daughters. So he sent him away and he blessed him. Laban was the brother of Rebekah. So in other words, he was family. In those days, it was common for each person to marry relatives just because there weren't enough people populated in the world. And so the bloodline would not have been as tainted and whatnot. So they they often married relatives in order to populate and to, to grow the family. Laban and his family lived in another land. And so Jacob needed to go to that land far away to marry one of those women. But The bigger issue was to escape from Esau so that Esau wouldn't try to kill his brother. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 6 to 8, it says that Esau knew that his father Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him to Padan Aram to find a wife, and that he had warned Jacob, you must not marry a Canaanite woman. He also knew that Jacob had obeyed his parents and gone to Padan Aram. It was now very clear to Esau that his father did not like the local Canaanite women. So what Esau gathered from what he heard and what he learned was that my parents don't like the local women. That's why they sent Jacob away. Now, for Esau, that was a problem. Because he was married to two Hittite women. He was married to two of these women that his parents didn't really like. Because they were different. They were not the same as he was. Esau already had these two wives. And he certainly didn't need a third one. Pastor Nick, could you think about having three wives? It's best not to think, because it leads to bad things, right? So, I, I, I mean, I'm sure he, he's good with just the one that he has. But, but think about having three wives, men, right? Uh, Michael, Brother Michael Alfred, you can think about having three Anitas. That, that, that would be a handful. But, but Esau certainly didn't need another wife. He already had two. But in verse 9, it tells us, He visited his uncle Ishmael's family and married one of Ishmael's daughters. So keep in mind, okay, Ishmael was his, was Jacob's father, Jacob and Isaac's father, okay, Isaac's half-brother. 
Remember that Abraham and Sarah weren't able to conceive, so she gave her handmaiden Hagar. Hagar had Ishmael. Then years later, they ended up having Isaac, the promised child. So they were half-brothers. So Esau goes and visits Uncle Ishmael's family, and he takes one of his wives to be, one of his daughters to be his wife. So he was thinking in his mind, okay, stick with me, I'm almost done. He was thinking that I'm going to do the same, right? Jacob went to Uncle Laban and took one of his wife. I'm going to go to Uncle Ishmael's family, take one of his daughters to be my wife. And he did this not because he wanted to, but because he thought this was what his parents wanted for him. By doing this, he would please his parents. The only reason he did this was to seek their, their approval and acceptance. Esau hoped to win his parents' favor by taking a wife from their own kind. It's important for us to be careful not to do things only to gain attention, acceptance, or approval from others. This is what Esau was doing. He was trying to gain approval from his parents. Now understand that it's okay to want to do things to make your family, your parents, your kids, your spouse proud of you. It's okay, and that, that's a good thing, to want to do things to make them proud. But what I'm talking about here is not to make them proud, but doing things in order to gain their attention or approval because you just want their favor, okay? Doing things that you don't even want to do that sometimes you know isn't even right, but that you would be gaining favor with another person. Sometimes we do things to please others. We do things because we want others to notice what we're doing or, or to receive some sort of accolade for it or to gain attention from someone else. You see, deep down, we all have a need to be loved and accepted and, and to, to fit in somewhere. And sometimes some more than others. For example, children may often seek approval from their parents or guardians. Teenagers will maybe try to do things to be accepted by their peers. Adults might do things to gain attention from someone of the opposite gender. We may do things in order to get attention, acceptance, or approval from other people. Like maybe act a certain way that isn't really who we are so that we'll be noticed. Or date someone because we think that they will get us a certain status. Or alter our bodies or do dangerous things to fit in or to gain attention change how we look, or compromise our beliefs so our friends won't think we're weird. Sometimes this comes from having low self-esteem. Sometimes it comes from just feeling that we're not good enough and that we never seem to hit the mark. But you see, it's important for us not to compromise who we are. Understand that change is not always a bad thing. Change can be a good thing if it's done for the right reasons. If it's done for the right reasons. 
But if we are only changing ourselves for someone else's approval and doing things that we know aren't even right to try to fit in, then that's where it becomes bad. I think sometimes we may become more concerned about what other people think of us or what other people have to say about us than we are concerned with what God thinks and what God says about who we are. You see, we try to do all of these things to please people, to try to fit in and to gain their acceptance and to, to want to be feeling like we're accepted when God already says, I stand here waiting for you because he accepts us for who we are. He loves us and he has a place for each one of us. And we need to stop being so concerned about what other people have to say and more concerned about what God says. Are we doing things for other people or are we doing things because we know it's pleasing and it's right in God's sight? May we not only strive to do things for other people, but may we strive to do our best to gain God's attention, acceptance, and approval. Amen? And the good news is that he's already said, I love you and I want a relationship with you. God loves us the way we are and he wants to change us for the good. He wants to help us to become more and more into the man, woman, teenager, and child that he desire us to be. Don't allow evil thoughts and temptations to linger in your mind. Get rid of them before they turn into actions. Remember that running away from your problems won't help them. Learn to deal with them and if possible, try to resolve them. Don't make excuses for bad behavior or to cover up your sins. And be careful not to do things only to gain attention, acceptance, or approval from others. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for this time that we can share in your word. And Lord, we indeed pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, in so many different ways. But we pray that you would help to renew our mind and our thoughts that we would think about things that are good and holy and pleasing to you, God. That our thoughts would be acceptable in your sight. Father, we pray that if there are things that we have been running away from, responsibilities that we have neglected, or, or actions that we have done wrong, that you would help us to stop, Lord, running, to stop making excuses for them and try our best to make them right to seek forgiveness and try to repair as much as possible. Lord, we pray that you would help us to stop trying to do things for other people, to stop trying to gain attention and acceptance and approval from them when you are the one that we should be more concerned about. And so God, we pray that you would help us to feel that we are more than enough because we are yours. And so God, we thank you for each one. We thank you for who you are. And we pray for your blessing upon each one, Lord. May your Holy Spirit speak to them. And may they truly know that they are loved by you. And so we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.